If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show for those who want to watch the program live or on demand, which is just now getting fired up. Facebook is anyway. It's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email, as always, again, com. So, 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 sorry, got to get this up and running here. There we go. We are running on Facebook now. So, lawlessness, chaos, disorder, confusion, politics, <laughs> the politics of all this, the politics of deception, confusion, uh, just... Chaos is really what we're dealing with on the American landscape. We've got coronavirus uh, still out there, of course, and what's going on with that? Governments, state governments taking steps back um, in some cases, even though I – look, you know, here in Indiana, I looked at this yesterday. Let me see if I can pull this up really quickly. And I, even though numbers are surging in – Many parts of the country, they're staying flat here in Indiana. Uh, but not only that, and not only is, uh, you know, there's increases in some areas, there's, you know, flat, you know, pretty much consistent numbers in others. Um, death rates, deaths are down pretty significantly. What's interesting to me is I, I listen to people explain this, and it just it just doesn't add up. If you look at Again, the number of cases in this state, Indiana, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's its bumping up and down, but it's staying relatively flat since the end of the end of May, you know, an up and down within a range on the low side, 230 cases a day on the high side, getting close to four, well, 550 cases a day, June 17th. But if you look at death um, from from coronavirus, those numbers have been have been decreasing pretty consistently and dramatically since the end of April. Indiana peaked, specifically Indiana, that's just where I am. Indiana peaked in uh, mid near the end of April, mid to late April. Like April 22nd, we had 50 deaths. In fact, if these numbers are correct, as of June 29th, which was just a couple of days ago now, Indiana had had zero. And so it's it's 
tailing, tailing off and trickering, uh, tickering downward, the death rate. Now, and and what some people want to tell us is that's because well, there's a you know a surge of infections and the the death rate or the number of deaths follow. Now I, I understand that, but in this state, the number of infections have remained consistent for some time, relatively flat. Again, kind of an up and down little wave pattern, if you will, um, if you look at the graph. And so if if there wasn't something changing with the mortality rates or if different groups of people were not getting this, we would still see the same, uh, you know, a flattening, an up and down wave pattern for the, the death rate, which is not what we're seeing. So there's talk as to why, why that's the case. Of course, some states are blamed. It's it's fascinating to me. States are blamed for opening too quickly, too aggressively. But it's not all those states. The, the states that are leading the forefront now, California, they didn't open too early. Texas, you could I mean you could make that case. Florida. Um, and there's another state that I'm uh, forgetting that's that's in this group of four states. But what about where's where's Georgia? You know what's interesting is what's interesting is we have these uh, folks that have been out there protesting. No one has ever blamed. You ever notice that no one blames any of the protesters, even though even though we know most of the protesters have been um, younger Americans, even though we know the protesters, um, you know, were not. There for a couple weeks while they were protesting, social distancing didn't matter. Wearing a mask didn't matter. None of that stuff mattered. In fact, we didn't hear anything about coronavirus until we got to the end of the narrative of, uh, you know, being preoccupied with talking about these, um, what's been happening with the riots and all this uh, chaos and disorder. So anyway, um, I just wanted to share that. It's, it's you know, the, the mortality rates are down. The media is scratching its head as to why there's a surge, and that well, they scratch their heads. They either want to blame governments for opening too early. That's the reason they can't figure. They they have no you know no understanding as to why you know large numbers of people protesting in the streets, locking arm in arm, uh, would get this because apparently, apparently the coronavirus was uh, not infecting people who were engaged in Black Lives Matter protests, which is, again, fascinating to me because at the beginning, I distinctively remember them telling me, telling all of us, that in order, well, that this virus targeted everybody. It didn't care what your race was, what your ethnicity was, what your gender was, what your political affiliations were. You were were in the metaphorical crosshairs of this this virus. However, for a three-week period of time, roughly, um, we didn't hear anything about that. You remember this when we had protesters in Michigan protesting the um, a very heavy-handed, um, <laughs> dictatorial-like governor, Gretchen Whitmer there. Remember she basically didn't let you go into a fishing boat by yourself. Um, you, you couldn't do anything without Gretchen Whitmer, uh, Whitmer's personal uh, permission, although her husband tried to get businesses to not comply it was a joke of course he wanted his boat in the water early to you know get it in the front of the 
you get the, you know, get it out there early and, you know, would it help if he was the governor's husband? If I was married to the governor, would that help my uh, boat get in the water earlier? Remember this whole thing? This is, again, this is human nature. This is uh, one of the reasons why big government doesn't work because it has rules for everyone else to follow, but not for those in positions of power. And of course, he was joking. <laughs> Hilarious joke, <laughs> by the way, right? Um, but remember her, her heavy-handed actions, and we had these protesters in Michigan. Do you remember the amount of criticism they took for? Oh my goodness, they're not wearing masks. They're not, you know, they're they're violating social distancing. That's all we talked about. We didn't talk about the protests. We didn't talk about the fundamental problem they that they had that we have as people who protect and, and stand for liberty this endless uh, nonsensical drive of governor whitmer to move us towards move the state of michigan towards um, i mean lawlessness it, really this was this was very she was acting like in many instances like a know-it-all dictator and they'd had enough they wanted their liberty but we didn't talk about the merits of their opposition we did on here but the media didn't they didn't talk about the merits of the opposition all they talked about was how they were going to cause a second wave of coronavirus which of course this was a long time ago now but i'm sure they're going to try to blame this blame part of this on uh you know groups that were protesting the reopening or excuse me the shutdowns, the continued shutdowns of their states will probably be, be blamed for this. Even though those protests happened long, long ago, I'm sure they're going to tell us, well, the incubation period for this virus has increased so we can actually trace it back to all the conservatives and people who wanted to live with liberty in their states. Anytime there was a protest in that regard, that's where the coronavirus outbreak came from. I mean, the the, the amount of political bias and blindness we see on a day-in, day-out basis is truly overwhelming, and it's getting worse and worse by the day. So that's the uh, kind of state of affairs with, with coronavirus. Of course, there's uh, you know the American, uh, I think it's a group of pediatricians, American Pediatric Society, I believe, is calling for schools to open in the fall as soon as possible. So that's a good thing. There's some pressure here to to reopen some things and get back to normal, which a lot of life in certain areas of the country has gotten back to quote unquote normal, whatever. Um, and, you know, however, that's never going to be the same again, or whatever that looks like specifically. But things have opened. Indiana here supposedly supposedly is going to be uh, reopening. Well, that was the plan to reopen completely by July fourth. Um, but we'll see since there's other problems around the country, although Indiana does not seem to have it. We'll see what steps Governor Holcomb takes here in the next the next couple of days. But so that's kind of a coronavirus update. We haven't talked about coronavirus a lot lately, so I wanted to to hit that here off the top. I really want to talk today about about Tucker Carlson and Governor, excuse me, uh, Senator Mike Braun. Now Mike Braun is a, a friend of this this program. Senator Braun has been on here several times. Um, I like Senator Braun. That being said, I will say that this conversation he had with Tucker Carlson 
um, was not very good. He needs to rethink what he's doing here. I, I understand to a point, very small point, what he's saying, but he's uh, he needs to rethink what he's doing here because of the the pressure to make radical uh, changes to law enforcement. I'm not saying there shouldn't be any changes, but when we look at doing some of the things that Senator Braun is suggesting here, um, this this is not necess- This is not a good thing, and he's saying to Tucker Carlson, which we'll play some of this interview. Um, and kudos to, to Senator Braun. I will say this. He went on to Tucker Carlson's show after Tucker Carlson went after him very intensely. He went on to Tucker Carlson's program and you know tried to articulate and explain himself and deal with this head on. That is not a common thing for politicians to do. This is not something we see routinely in politics from both sides and i applaud that's one of the things when i've had mike brown on this program i've told him i appreciate seeing you out there trying trying to move the mantle communicating what you believe i see too many people too many people in positions of power and i'm going to just tell you one of them is senator todd young here in indiana i remember i reached out to his office during the time of impeachment Hey, why don't you come on the program to talk about it? We'd love to come on, but we're not doing any interviews during Corona. Or excuse me, not coronavirus. We can't keep up with all the uh, with all the uh, crises here in America just in the past six months. And by the way, we've reached the half point of the year. So 20, 2020 is halfway in the mirror now. After impeachment, coronavirus, you know, destruction, terror, and mayhem on the streets of many cities in this great nation. We're officially into the second half today of 2020. <laughs> so whew, that's a good, we've, we've gotten through half of this year. But anyway, we've got, um, you know, I, I applaud Senator Braun for, for taking that on directly because we don't have other folks who stand firmly, who stand up and say, this is what I think, even if it's going to, you know, cause a little bit of trouble, cause a little bit of turmoil from them. So I appreciate Mike Braun doing this. It stands in stark contrast to what I personally witnessed with Senator Todd Young. And there's nothing personal here. I just, that's not leadership. I was fired up at the time. I'll be honest with you. I was fired up when they said, oh, you'd love to come on the program after impeachment. I'm like, well, what's the point of that? I mean, we're trying to win this argument and not be subjected to the narrative and you're telling me you're not going to participate. Yeah, that's basically, that is what they were doing. So, and he's not the only one. That's that's common. You know, when, when things get tough, when things get tough, people people hide. They want to see which side of the, you know, they want to see how this settles and they want to be on the right side of it. That's not leadership, folks. We don't. We need less of that in Washington D.C. I'd like to see leaders stand up. Leaders stand up. I know that Trump takes a lot of flack, but one of the things that we have to admire about Trump is his desire to lead and his desire to stand for what he believes and not be, not fall prey, or to give in to the bullies, to those who are trying to intimidate and those who try to you know, 
use whatever sort of negative news coverage and pressure to get him to change his positions. He just doesn't do it. You know, I would think that even people who disagree with his political stances could come to admire that. In fact, that's one of the things uh, that I admire most about my father. I I really think that my my father, who you know, he and I don't agree politically on a lot of things, but we do on on you know more than people might imagine. My dad's a union Democrat, but he's a principled guy. He he could be the only person in a room of a thousand. And if he's not convinced and the other 999 are telling him he's stupid and everything else, he's just not going to give in unless he really believes that that is the right thing to uh, to stand for or to believe or what have you. So I just don't I don't see that a lot in politics. You see it from some people. So I admire Mike Braun going on Tucker Carlson. It's, it's not that that I have a problem with. It's the, the conversation that ensued is so I'm going to play. We're going to talk about that uh, through the rest of this uh, program. And maybe I haven't reached out. Maybe we'll try to have him on to see if he can articulate those positions and what he's trying to do any better because uh, it didn't go well on Tucker Carlson. So that being said, I got to take a time out. You're listening here at the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I want to talk about Senator Braun here from Indiana. Now, again, this just happens to be one of the senators in my state, but this is a national issue now with police reform. Now, whether it should be, whether local states, cities, communities could address their own problems to the degree that they exist um, and handle those specifically, um, that's another issue altogether. I did see, however, that the city of Minneapolis, who has voted for chaotic measures on uh, defunding and dismantling the police uh, force there in the city, they have spent a lot of money on personal security forces, which is, of course, uh, quite interesting. So you think about that. They want to dismantle the police force for everyone else, but yet they, they will spend taxpayer money to defend themselves. It's kind of like Rosie O'Donnell, who believes that pretty much uh, is, is anti-gun, but yet she's you know, surrounded by a team of uh, personal protection security folks who carry weapons. She's okay with that. You know, this, is, this again, is human nature, and this is how you, know, you, you start targeting the rights of individuals – and say that they can't do the things, but yet these politicians and celebrities can. You, create, you talk about creating a, a two-tiered system of justice. There you go. That's exactly how you how you do it. So this is often what happens. But anyway, I want to stay here with Senator Braun. And he's from Indiana, but this is a national issue. This this applies to you know around this country to your particular state as well. No matter where you're listening from, this is on Braun's Senator Braun's. Uh, website, braun.senate.gov. This is last week. Headline, Senator Mike Braun introduces Reforming Qualified Immunity Act. This is kind of where this whole thing started between Tucker Carlson and Mike Braun. So 
Here is what his own Senate website page says. Today, U.S. Senator Mike Braun, Republican Indiana, will introduce the Reforming Qualified Immunity Act. The vast majority of our law enforcement officers conduct themselves beyond reproach as they execute their duties. Unfortunately, the current interpretation of qualified immunity allows law enforcement in many of the high-profile excessive force and abuse of power cases to avoid civil suits from citizens seeking redress for violation of their legal rights. So um, what this – and again, I'm not an attorney, but I'm just going to give you the the 40,000-foot view here of this qualified immunity and how it's currently interpreted. Um, If an individual law enforcement officer is – uses excessive force allegedly abuses their power allegedly they are in there's there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of a, a gray area as to when they you know they they lose these this qualified uh, immunity but they're immune generally uh, potentially anyway from civil suits from those individual citizens. So if I uh, or you know, one of these uh, individuals who have been in the news for their encounters with officers, um, if they are um, harmed because the officer was acting over the top, in some cases, and again, there's some gray area here as to when this is applicable and not, um, but there is protection from civil uh, civil lawsuits on the officer. Mike Braun says we should we should change that. We should change that so if there's an egregious case that they can face personal civil responsibility instead of just instead of just whatever might come through the criminal system or what have you. Now you know. You know that there's a difference between going through a civil court versus a criminal court. And again, I don't want to make this overly simplistic, but basically if something goes through a civil court, um, the jury is tasked with – I don't know the exact legal definition, but basically they're to make a judgment which side is right. And it's kind of 50-50 if you look at it this way. And if you believe that – if you're 51% sure of something, say that you side with the – plaintiff then you award you know you you, uh, rule in the plaintiff's favor and then they can seek whatever damages that the jury and or judge determines um, is i don't know applicable or what have you just in this particular case criminal court um, is different because you're talking about taking away someone's liberty this nation was founded upon liberty so in order for someone to have uh, to have their liberties taken away, we have this this theory, this idea of reasonable doubt. And again, I don't want to overly simplify this, but reasonable doubt is in the 90%. So you might really think that the person is guilty criminally, and this goes back to this uh, Derek Chauvin thing. I mean, when we start letting this thing go through the criminal court system and Jurors are instructed specifically on what the terms mean, on what murder to is by definition, and they look at the evidence and they start looking at um, beyond a reasonable doubt, and you're 90-some percent certain that that's the only explanation, like that you know, 
um, that the, the, the defendant is guilty as charged by the prosecution. You have to be effectively, roughly, again, this is just for the, the case of painting with broad strokes here, but 90 plus percent certain. So jurors can think he probably did it, right? This guy's probably guilty, but yet they vote to acquit because they didn't reach the level of beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a totally justifiable foundational principle in this nation because the burden of proof is on the state. The burden of proof, uh, the, the, the defendant, that's why they don't have to take the stand. They don't have to prove anything. They basically just have to say the state hasn't reached its level of, uh, it hasn't reached a burden um, where they've, they've eclipsed reasonable doubt. They haven't met that requirement, that prerequisite. And so my client should be acquitted, right? That's the way that it's supposed to work. So there's two different levels of standards here. So, um, and then of course, one of them involves the potential removal of liberty in criminal cases. The other re- uh, involves the exchange of money where you have to pay, um, you know, damages or uh, pain and suffering charges or whatever the, the, the terms are for this stuff. So there's a different makeup. But what Braun is saying here is that we need to be able to have officers in these cases um, face the, you know, lose some of that qualified immunity to where they're civilly responsible for for their actions. To which I remember Hunter, uh, Tucker Carlson saying, well, what about giving up your uh, qualified immunity? Right. And so insofar as let's say that you write a law or you vote for a law and it creates problems and damages for the American people, should you be held um, <laughs> responsible civilly in a court of law? So that's kind of where the discussion heads. But so Tucker Carlson was critical of this, was critical of some of the statements that Mike Braun made about Black Lives Matter. Mike uh, Senator Braun had said that you know he does support to some degree Black Lives Matter, and that's really kind of um, queuing this up because I want to play this at least part of this conversation Tucker Carlson had with Senator Braun about this because this is an important conversation to have. You know, I will pause here and say this Sunday. Yes, I see Oz uh, this Sunday at um, at my church, which is Grace Church in Canby. In well, just I, I say Mooresville, but it's it's really it's Canby is what it um, is where it is. But we are having um, an event at our church where we're um, trying to uh, have a conversation about some of these issues today with uh, with racism and uh, just what's the church's role in trying to to really you know to to be involved and to uh, have an impact on improving the situation racially. So there's going to be an event. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you more about it here at the end of the, the hour. But anyway, got to gotta take a break here. So we're going to play this conversation, this somewhat intense conversation between Tucker Carlson, Senator Braun after the break. I got to take a quick one here. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute.
welcome back. So with no further ado, let's play a little bit. This is a seven-minute total exchange here. I don't think that we'll go through this whole thing just for, for time purposes, but I want you to get a flavor of this. This is, again, Tucker Carlson speaking with Senator Mike Braun um, regarding qualified immunity, Black Lives Matter, police reform, and um, important issues here. Important issues. Again, kudos to Mike Braun for going on here. He heard what Tucker said about uh, his position, and um, he said, hey, I want to come on your show to try to explain myself. And so this is what ensued. After our segment on Thursday, Senator Braun asked to come on this show to detail his position. Of course, we're happy to have him. Senator Braun, thanks so much for coming on. Before I ask you about qualified immunity and your attempts to water it down, I was very surprised by that endorsement that you gave on camera of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has, of course, called for the murder of police officers. Why do you support it? And are there any other race-specific revolutionary movements that you support? So, Tucker, thanks for having me on in the first place. I know when you uh, came out, and I like it when somebody does challenge, especially something like this, when you're talking about changing something that's been around for a while. And, Tucker, I come from Main Street. Uh, Your uh, viewers are my supporters. And I've got one of the most conservative voting records. No, that's true. You'd have to check with them, just like I checked with the Indiana State Police, Indiana Sheriff's Association, Fraternal Order Police, spent over an hour with them last week to make sure I wasn't off base. And here's where I come from. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm I'm confused really quick. Hold on. You're you're off base in your support of Black Lives Matter, your endorsement that you just gave? Have you read their website or... Are you in no, favor of I, abolishing the nuclear family? What, what do you support exactly no, in the Black I'm Lives Movement? No, I'm not at all. What does I, that mean? I, okay. I support anybody that does have a grievance to be able to air it. And that's it. Uh, that doesn't mean all lives don't matter. It just means that if you think a certain sector of society has a grievance, it ought to be through transparency and the willingness to debate it and get it out there. I'm going to always go on the merits of the particular case. And going back to what I learned last week, first of all, uh, law enforcement in Indiana thought was talking about eliminating it or drastically modifying it. This was to, to find that sweet spot to where they said they are being unduly stigmatized because of these events, because in some cases their own aren't held accountable. And when they knew that, They basically said, we need to be in the discussion. Look how we got rolled with Obamacare when we refused to discuss it 10 years ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We just showed tape of you, Senator, saying that we need to pull back. We need to make it easier to sue the police because of, quote, egregious incidents like the death of Rayshard Brooks. You said you wanted to speak about specifics. Do you believe that he was killed unjustly? Do you believe Officer Rolfe deserves the death penalty, which he now faces? What did you mean by that? I believe you ought to have the ability to, uh, just like when anyone's civil rights would be violated, that you've got access to uh, due process, to have your case heard. But they do. But they do have that right. Qualified immunity, hold on. Qualified immunity has nothing to do with that case. He's been charged. They have the right to sue him under qualified immunity, as you know, since you're writing the, the change to the law. So that's irrelevant. I'm asking about the case. You cited it. Do you believe that the officer now facing the death penalty deserves to face the death penalty? And if you don't, tell us what he should have done. I think that that's going to be determined by the court. And when it comes you to cited that it. civil... So what, wait, hold on. You cited it. What do you think of it? You're the one who called it egregious, so why don't you tell us what I Officer think Ross should have done when this man fired a taser at him? What do you think? 
I think that uh, you probably should have had the judgment that in a, a traffic stop like that, you don't shoot somebody in the back. So uh, if we keep doing okay. that, so let what me should he have? Wait, let hold me, on, let... hold on. No, no, no. I want you to explain. I think it's fair. You're an office holder. I don't normally press people like this, but it's not fair for you to filibuster without answering my question, which is very simple. The officer facing the death penalty had a guy fire a weapon at him. What should he have done then? Probably not have killed the guy. And that'll come out. So what out should he have done? Court. He no, should have well, probably you're not. you saying it's egregious. Let him go. He, he sh Do you think he was going to get away? Uh, they were going to find uh, him. You tell me. You tell me. You're the one judging the officer. So maybe that, you could explain why you're judging him. Uh, Tucker, that'll all come out in the court process. And all I'm saying, let me finish this. If we don't get better at it, for all of us on Main Street, Democrats are going to spin it. Uh, Chuck Schumer's already decided he can make hay of this in the election. And we'll end up on the short side of it again. Okay, so that's a, a, a flavor of that conversation. Played a little bit more than I expect, uh, intended to there, but um, a, important conversation. Lots of issues coming up here. I want to talk about those, but I've got to take a break. We'll do that when we return. Sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So let me let me explain what I think, Senator Braun, and please let me do this without saying I agree with this because I don't think he's right on this. I think what Senator Braun is saying, what he's trying to say here is that Republicans lose politically because they refuse to talk about issues. They, they, they refuse to get involved in the process. They just want to, you know, argue whether something is really a problem or they they want to say that the government shouldn't get involved or they want to say that the circumstances don't warrant some dramatic changes or whatever the particulars are. He's saying that Democrats control the narrative, which I will agree that is true, Senator Braun. The Democrats do control the narrative oftentimes. But I think the larger point here is – even if that's true, do we really want to start granting the premise of some of the arguments from the radical left? Now, the other thing that's happening here, I think, um, from the perspective of, of how Senator Braun is responding here, I think he's also confusing and conflating the differences between the basic statement, Black Lives Matter, um, he's conflating that or he's ignoring what the organization says it stands for, which if you read on their website, Tucker Carlson is absolutely correct. They stand against they stand against the traditional nuclear family. Now, look, I know that many of you listening <clears throat> to my voice, you are from a variety of different family environments and so forth. And this isn't an, a, an attack or an assault on that by any means of the – any stretch of the imagination. People make situations work all the time, single mothers, uh, single dads, uh, you know, all sorts of broken and reconfigured families. This isn't an assault on that. But the, the nuclear family is not, not a bad thing, right? So, 
ideally, in um, a, a healthy situation, you have a loving husband, father, a loving wife, mother, who raise their children together. Now, that's not always what happens, of course. We have people who make terrible decisions. They are abusive. I don't want to get into all that, but, you know, that they're, whatever, drinking or causing harm to people uh, in the family, children, and so forth. But I don't think it's debatable that the nuclear family is a healthy thing. I'm not saying that you can't make it work otherwise. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. People do it all the time. It's just, it's a lot of work, but it's a, I think, people would agree, surely, that the nuclear family is not something that should be abolished. What does that even mean? That means that that is um, something that is uh, should never be adhered to? What I mean, I, I don't even know how to process that. You can say, I understand if you want to say <clears throat> that the you know there are other solutions to family life besides the nuclear family, okay, but don't, don't attack. I live in a nuclear family. I was raised in a nuclear family. Many of you were as well. Um, if it was if it was bad, it's usually because, I mean, I would say it's not because of the structure. It's because of the individuals within that structure. It's because someone in that family made terrible decisions or was abusive, dangerous, you know, had very bad habits that harmed other people. Again, I'm reading this book, David, by Chuck Swindoll, and he's talking about that, the way that David's decision, King David back from biblical times, um, you know, his decisions caused chaos for his family, complete chaos as he, um, you know, was be, became older and made the decision to uh, take Bathsheba and all the stuff that followed from that. So anyway, um, there's a couple of things there. He uh, Senator Braun is correct in saying that Republicans do not um, – I think, properly engaged, but we also cannot accept the premises laid forth by the media and by the left because it will always involve government doing something, in some cases, something dramatic. And the other thing is, the other thing is, is that you cannot confuse and conflate a simple statement that Black Lives Matter, of course, that's true, with the overarching uh, stated purpose and goals and objectives of the organization that's led by Marxists. When you say you support Black Lives Matter, you know, I think that the other side sometimes wants confusion. They want you to feel like you have to say, I support Black Lives Matter because obviously Black Lives Matter. But when you look at the, the, the stated purposes and objectives of the organization and you see things like the abolition of the nuclear family calling for violence against police, when you see uh, that they're led by Marxists, is that what you support? See, that creates confusion and that gives credibility to these radically insane ideas and ideologies. And I got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. A couple quick things here as I'm wrapping up hour number one. This issue of qualified immunity doesn't um, it, it doesn't apply if an officer's conduct um, violates clearly established statutory or constitutional rights, such that a reasonable person would. I'm reading here from a an attorney who explains this, such as a 
uh, that a reasonable person would have been aware of the potential violation of those rights at the time of the incident in question. The officer is eligible to be granted immunity. If it so, it's not a blanket situation. So Tucker's saying, look, it doesn't even apply to the issue of the situation of Rayshard Brooks because it's because of what this was specifically. So anyway, this is a complicated, convoluted issue and. We just have to get better. Um, there, there's part of what I'll accept from Braun, Senator Braun there, but other parts of it I do not accept because of, of where this is headed, how courts will interpret this, and what will happen from this if we go too far down this road regarding immunity, qualified immunity for officers. Real quickly, too, here, Sunday at our church, Grace Church in Morrisville, will be hosting a racial tensions roundtable in Canby, uh, graceonline.com. See you in a minute. 